Welcome back to episode two of Probably True Solar Stories. If you're tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to probably true solar stories. And what I mean by that is that we're making stories up. Also, if you're tuning in for the first time, you might want to listen to episode one before you dive in here. Spoiler alert, I'm about to briefly summarize part one of this particular probably true solar story, so please proceed at your own story listening risk. In real life, you never hear about the perfect heist. That's because when a real-life heist is perfect, there are no witnesses, the criminals disappear, and the case goes cold. Boring. Now, in a fictional heist story, something always goes wrong. It has to. It's a storytelling rule. So why should that change for a solar heist story? When we last left Maz Botticelli in Part 1, he'd made a deal with his neighbor, Charlie Boston, to liberate some illegally imported solar panels from a U.S. customs warehouse. In part two, Maz makes the perfect plan. And of course, that perfect plan becomes an unlucky, no-good, bad-day heist. But it makes for a fun story. Here we go. The Solar Heist, or How I Got Into the Solar Business, part two, by Tor Solarfred Valenza. My original plan was very solid and very easy. The solar panels were being stored in a Port of Oakland warehouse that was guarded and monitored by U.S. Customs and Border Control officers and their very trained dogs. Both the dogs and the CPB officers are actually very sweet when they're off duty. When on duty, they will bite, they will shoot, and they will hurt. Fortunately, I knew Max the Man and Max the Dog. Max the Man was a CPB officer who had a passion for consuming and selling a certain kind of organic mushroom that I happened to cultivate in my basement. Max the Dog was a CPB German Shepherd who had a passion for peanut butter dog treats that I bought from Costco. So both Maxes liked me and benefited from our friendship. The plan was simple. Max the man would take care of the paperwork. He would also make sure that Max the dog didn't care about me and my three associates wearing oddly fitting U.S. Customs uniforms that smelled a lot like Max the man. Max the man scheduled Charlie's solar panels to be transferred on the following Friday night. And by transfer, that meant four trucks transferring the modules to an industrial shredder that was owned by CPB, whereupon the solar panels would be turned into industrial confetti. The shards would then be transferred forthwith to the nearest landfill. As long as Max the man's paperwork said that Charlie's panels had been sliced and diced, then Charlie's solar panels no longer existed, at least as far as U.S. Customs were concerned. Everything was set up on my side, but I was worried about the merchandise. I talked to Charlie. What if your panels are a piece of shit, like defective? Not like you can fill out your warranty and get them replaced. I'm not worried about it, said Charlie. These solar modules are what the industry calls Tier 1 and bankable. And what I mean by that is banks and investors only fund loans and invest in solar projects that use top-quality panels from a very short list of 20 or 30 vetted solar manufacturers. Clearly, some of the manufacturers on that list had good and bad factories that used forced labor. I tried to do the right thing and get the good ones, 
but I'm not going to hold up my project for six months to go bankrupt for somebody else's corruption. Besides, those panels are more of an environmental problem in the dump than being used. Any more questions? No, I'm just making sure this is worth the risk. I'm not going to do it again. It is, Moz. Trust me, I have to do this. Okay, then we're set for next Friday. Me and my three associates are going to pick up the four truckloads of modules and bring them to the shredding facility. Except they won't actually be going to the shredding facility. Instead, they're going to go to your warehouse. I'm assuming you have a warehouse? I'll text you the address. Charlie and I shook hands. He accepted my fees and terms without even bargaining. So far, so good. And then it wasn't so good. The next Friday, my team saddled up four 18-wheeler trucks with U.S. Customs markings. Then we changed into Max the Man's gently used CPB uniforms. What we didn't have were CPB identification cards. It seemed redundant. We were wearing uniforms and driving trucks with government plates. Why would anybody stop us? At 10 p.m., Max the Man and Max the Dog met us at the U.S. Customs Warehouse where Charlie Shipman of Solar Panels were waiting for us. I took out my treats from Max the Dog and exited my rig. When Max the Dog saw me step onto the cement, he headed toward me. It was a slow creep, and then he started building up speed. Then it looked like a gallop. He was fast, like a launch torpedo heading for a direct hit. I froze and looked up to Max the Man. This happened with every job. I think Max the Man liked seeing how close Max the Dog could get to me before giving his A-OK -okay whistle command. This time the whistle came when Max the Dog's eight-inch snout was about two inches from my upper pant leg. Max the Dog had stopped, but he was still on alert. His wet nose maw slowly leaned into my pocket for a sniff. I wasn't sure if he was smelling my treats or the magic mushrooms. All I knew was that he was drooling on my foot and that my leg looked more and more like steak on a stick. Finally, Max the Man gave three sharp whistles. Suddenly, Max the Dog sat, panting with a labradoodle-friendly smile. Good dog, Max, I said. I gently reached into my uniform's jacket pocket and gave Max the Dog his Costco peanut butter dog biscuits. There was a loud crunching sound, and I was glad it wasn't my leg. Finally. My boys and I got to work. After some quick and very skillful forklifting, my crew and I loaded the solar panels while Max the man and Max the dog watched. They were making sure that the solar panels were the only things being lifted out of the warehouse. There were a lot of confiscated goodies in that same warehouse. It was filled with Italian sports cars, speedboats, boxes of toilet paper, Russian caviar, and other luxury crap that was on ice for some reason. But I wasn't tempted. Max the man might have other buyers for the other luxury goods, but that wasn't my job. All I cared about were those pallets of shrink-wrapped solar panels. It took an hour, maybe a little less, to get the trucks loaded. I gave Max the dog another treat from my pocket, and he snapped it up, drooling all over my hand. What about my treats? asked Max the man, standing beside Max the dog. I reached into my truck's cab and pulled out a large boot box filled with my latest crop. I opened the box and showed Max the man the baggies inside. 
But Max the man wanted further confirmation. He pointed to a random baggie inside. Just give me a whiff of one of those, he said. I opened one of the baggies, broke off a mushroom, and held it out for Max the man. And that's when the night's troubles began. Max the dog thought that I was offering him another treat and snapped up the entire piece of magic mushroom that I'd been handing to Max the man for a whiff. It went down as quickly as a regular dog treat and with the same amount of slobber. Oh, shit, I said. Oh, shit, repeated Max the man. Get Max the dog to a vet. Pump his stomach. And then, it's your dog. I can't. I gotta. Maz, I am not going to leave my post because my CPB guard dog ate a magic mushroom. Even if I could make up something about how I found it, I'd still be screwed, and that means our special transportation relationship would be screwed. Take Max to a vet. Any vet. No one who knows me. Now. Got it? The mushrooms hadn't taken effect yet, and I didn't want to let them digest any more. Got it. Max the man made a special whistle, and Max the dog went from being at attention to being a playful puppy dog. That whistle? Max knows he's off the clock now. He'll go with you, but I don't know how he'll act with shrooms in him. Just get his stomach pumped and bring him back here by 5 a.m. when my shift ends. Max the man handed me a leather leash and opened up my cab door. Max the dog leaped into the front seat. Okay, I got this. Back by 5 a.m. I told my crew to bring their trucks to Charlie's warehouse and to wait for me there. Max the man escorted us out of the port of Oakland, and then I pulled over and searched my phone for the closest emergency vet. It was ten minutes away. I shifted the truck into gear and kept looking at Max the dog, expecting that he would turn into Cujo at any minute. It's usually pretty easy to drive an 18-wheeler down Oakland streets late at night, especially when you're driving with U.S. customs plates and wearing the uniform. So I didn't think there was a risk to going 50 miles per hour in a 30-mile-per-hour zone and powering through a yellow light. But that's when an Oakland cop seemed to disagree with me and he flashed his lights. Max the dog started whimpering. Maybe he was seeing me as another dog, or maybe he was seeing me as another dog biscuit he wanted to eat. I couldn't tell. What I did know was that I had no U.S. Customs ID or driver's license or anything except a copy of Max the Man's paperwork. I pulled over and shut off my engine. There was no way to risk a police chase. I just had to play along and hope he'd let me off with a warning. The Oakland cop came up to my driver's side door and indicated for me to step outside. What's the rush? he asked calmly. His nameplate read Officer Paul Grazer. Before I could answer Officer Grazer, Max the dog's magical mushroom trip started, and it was a bad one. As soon as I opened the door, he bared his teeth and lunged out the window, barking madly at Officer Grazer. I got out and shut the door on Max. He kept barking and growling against the window pane. Max, down, I said. I whistled in the same way that I heard Max the man whistle to signal that Max was off the clock, and Max the dog became a gentle puppy again, at least for thirty seconds. What's wrong with him? asked Officer Grazer. He just swallowed some magic mushrooms, I wanted to say, 
but actually Max had given me the perfect situation to avoid getting out my ID and opening up the back. He's doing his job, protecting me and the cargo. What's in the cargo? A load of confiscated solar panels. It's headed for shredding. They were made with Chinese forced labor. There's a law against importing that. You got your paperwork? ID? Sure do, but it's in the can. We both looked at Max. He started growling at us, then pacing back and forth on the cab seat. Back and forth and back and forth. Max, I said gently. Hearing my voice call his name, Max briefly returned to reality. He stopped and licked the window for a second, as cute as any golden retriever. Then he returned to being a hellhound, baring his teeth at Officer Grazer. You know how to handle that dog, asked Officer Grazer. Of course I do, but he's hungry. That's why I was in a rush. I needed to drop the load and get Max to his dinner. Max the dog gnawed his teeth at the closed window, fogging it up and showing Officer Grazer how hungry he was. The fogged window made Max look even more like a horror movie special effect. Solar panels, huh? said Grazer. Grazer turned off his vest camera. Suddenly, Max wasn't the only person off the clock. And you say they're going to be destroyed? That's a shame. You mind if I take a look? He's in the cab. We looked at each other, then at Max. You looking to go solar, Officer Grazer? I've been thinking about it, said Officer Grazer. If I had any doubts, it was now clear to me that my already unlucky no-good-bad-day heist was about to get worse. I was about to be hijacked by a crooked Oakland cop. Max began barking again. Well, if you want to look in the back, I said over Max's barks, let me get you my paperwork, keys, and ID. The moment I put my foot on the cab step, Max howled and then stared directly at Officer Grazer. Grazer looked at Max, thinking if he really did want those solar panels. Then he decided he didn't. Never mind, said Officer Grazer. Just slow it down. Grazer turned and began walking back to his car. Relieved, I opened the cab door just a crack, intending just to slip my leg in. But Max was too agitated. A hundred and twenty-five pounds of teeth and muscle nosed its way out of the narrow truck door opening and leaped onto the Oakland street, heading straight toward Officer Grazer. I tried Max's calming whistle, but my mouth was too dry. Only a wisp came out. <laughs> All I could do was warn Grazer. Run, you corrupt donut-chomping fat fuck. For a second, Grazer turned around with his hand on his gun holder. Then he saw Max heading towards him. Mushrooms are sober. Max the dog knew guns, and he was trained to bite at the hand that held one. And that's just what he did. Grazer dropped the gun. Now disarmed, Max's training told him to hold the suspect. So he went for a taste of Grazer's heel, and I heard a satisfied, Grrr. Grazer pounded his fist on Max's head and managed to kick him off, butting Max's head with the police car's door. Finally, Grazer was able to get inside his patrol car. Max stayed with him. He jumped at Grazer for another taste and gnawed at Grazer's window. Normally, I wouldn't have intervened, but I knew that Officer Grazer had turned off his camera 
and had just tried to hijack at least some of the truck's cargo. If I'd been a real CBB officer, that would have been a federal offense. Maybe this wasn't the first time Officer Grazer had stopped a CBB truck. I walked up to Grazer, staying calm. He bit me! He bit me! Yeah, he did. Good boy, Max. And if I ever hear of an Oakland cop stopping a U.S. Customs truck on official duty again, Max and I won't be the only ones knowing about it. You understand me, Officer Grazer? Yes, won't happen again. I, I swear. Just call him off and I'll get out of here. Satisfied, I tried Max the man's whistle trick again. Max calmed down, but I knew it wouldn't last. Come on, Max. Come on, buddy. Let's get some real dinner. I ran back to my truck and opened the cab door, but Max didn't seem to want to let Grazer go. I still had a few treats left and took out one. I waved it, but Max was in the zone. He leaped on top of the police car's hood and jumped up and down, barking and growling at Grazer. The cop was panicking now. Stop him! Stop him! Help me! Help me! And then I think Grazer pissed in his pants. He stopped yelling and looked down at his crotch, shocked. But that seemed to do the trick for Max the dog. He marked his territory, too, by pissing on the cop's windshield. There was a silence for thirty seconds, and then Max hopped off the hood and bolted toward me at full speed. Just before he got to me, I threw the dog treat into the cab and Max leaped in. I jumped in next and quickly shut the door. As soon as my door slammed, Officer Grazer peeled out in a U-turn, probably heading towards a nearby urgent care center or emergency room. Since his vest camera was off, I was confident he'd report a random dog bite, not this incident. I kept up Max the Man's whistling trick all the way to the vet. It seemed to calm Max down every time, turning him into a whimpering puppy dog for a minute before turning him back into an extremely mad guard dog. At the vet, I used my uniform as a cover. I told the doc that Max had found a stash of magic mushrooms and had eaten one by mistake. Thankfully, it wasn't dangerous. Max just needed a strong sedative. Whatever dreams he had after that, they must have been peaceful, because I was able to carry him back to the truck and put him into Max the man's arms without another growl or a bark. Max the man was happy, I was happy, and Charlie was super happy when he walked into his warehouse and saw his full shipment of solar modules. Neighbor, you are the best, said Charlie. He took out his cell phone. In a few seconds, I got a notification confirming that I'd received our agreed payment in Bitcoin. Any problems? You really want to know? No, I don't. But tell you what, I have a bonus for you. How would you like to go solo? Don't you need all these panels? Eh, I always order extra. Even with the best quality panels, some are going to break during the shipping. And then you never know when another project comes along. I've got plenty of extra for your place. I thought about it and looked at Charlie. He was beaming. For him, it must have seemed like I'd saved his life, or at least saved him from bankruptcy. To me, it was just another job, although this was a tough one. I almost said yes, but then I thought that maybe Charlie was buttering me up for another job. No strings attached, I asked. No, as far as I'm concerned, you're out of the solar business. My project owner talked to my exporter. He does a lot of business in China, and he assured me that I'll never have this kind of shipping problem again. Okay, sure, 
I'll go solar. As long as you take care of everything, why not? Who doesn't like getting free electricity? About six weeks later, Charlie's solar panels had been installed by a local solar contractor he knew. It was the same person who installed the system on his roof, he said. Now our homes were twins. We started getting attention and questions from our other neighbors. Attention and questions were things that I wasn't ever looking for. But Charlie didn't mind. How much did it cost, they'd ask. An arm and a leg, I'd say. That was more true than any dollar amount. But then they'd say, ha ha, seriously. And like with Charlie, I had to be neighborly. So I told them. It sounded like a good deal and they asked me for a referral to my installer, who was really Charlie's installer. One thing led to another, and like magic, I started having a serious business relationship with Charlie's solar installer. I started becoming his number one solar referral partner. I don't know why, but people trusted me. Other than how I got my solar panels, I had no reason to lie. So I became a very honest broker, which was new for me. Eventually, I decided to make a significant investment as a silent partner with Charlie's solar installer. So that's how I got into the solar business. How I got out of the solar business, that's another story. Let's just say that Charlie and I knew the same people, and those people were the real owners of Charlie's solar project. And if I'd known that, I never would have taken the job. But like I said, that's another story, one that I can't talk about, so I won't, for now. Well, that was the end of part two, but it's not the real end. I am working on a part three for the last episode of season one. So be sure to subscribe to get part three of The Solar Heist, or how I got into the solar business. A lot of people ask writers how they came up with their story ideas. In this case, it started with a real-life situation. As mentioned in this story, the U.S. passed a law in 2021 that bans importing anything made with forced labor, including solar panels. You can see stories in the news about entire cargo ships heading back to China because they thought their shipment might be confiscated by customs. Of course, no one in the solar industry wants to buy panels made from slave labor, but verifying that panels are made ethically can be challenging. You need quality assurance experts to follow the supply chain. So that's when I thought, as writers will do, what if a solar developer did the right thing, but his importer or his exporter made an unethical switcheroo? Delaying a large solar project can cost millions of dollars. So then I thought, what if a solar developer couldn't afford to wait and decided to steal his unethical panels to keep his clean energy project on schedule? What would he need to do? Who would he need to know? And that's how Charlie and Moz were born. Is it coincidence that they live across the street from each other? Sure. But that's how fun stories are made. If you like this first story, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you want to be the first to hear about upcoming episodes and live solar story events, go to probablytruesolar.com and sign up for the newsletter. Next, we're going to do sci-fi. What's residential solar going to look like in 2040? Find out next week. Probably True Solar Stories is a production of Unthink Solar PR and Communications. Be bold for solar. Stand out and educate. See you next week.